you know, we all have a to-do list. There's lots of stuff on it. You got to get your dry cleaning. You got to get your milk. Here's an idea. Put save hundreds of dollars on car insurance on your to-do list. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to Geico.com. In 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance, extra money in your pocket. It may be the most rewarding thing you do today. Now, Podcast One brings you Spike's Car Radio, a downloadable Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. All right, here we are, Spike's Car Radio. Zuckerman, uh, Zuckerman, of course, is late. Uh, we have a big show today, um, and he's late. This is what I have to deal with, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, William Fickner's here, Kim Coates is here, two big stars of stage and screen, um, and Zuckerman is late, and uh, he has no idea that I'm going to do this at the top of the show. I'm just going to pretend that I didn't say this, but you know you know what he would say, right? That he's got a day job, but still, he's keeping two legitimate stars waiting. Well, we're all waiting on Zuckerman. A little bit of what I have to deal with. Uh, anyway, today, William Fickner is here. Kim Coates is here. Kim Coates, you may recognize from Sons of Anarchy. William Fickner uh, did Top Gear America or USA. He's uh, He's been an actor for a long time, done a bunch of stuff. Great guy. Uh, car guys, both of these guys, and they're here to promote their new movie, Coldbrook. Um, and if only I had a co-host to share this with. Uh, he's te- well, he texted me. He's in the building. Okay. Well, oh, good. <laughs> now, if this were Howard Stern and this were Benji, right? Because that's Zuckerman really is the equivalent of Benji or who's the one who's always late on Howard Stern? Do you guys know? Do you remember? No, it's one of those guys, right? Here he comes. And this is where you go, well, I'm going to fire the guy. Well, well, he can't. He's not hired. There he is. Hey, Zuckerman. Sit down over here. Okay. You look disturbed. What's well, been going on? I was in a rush. Yeah, we're all in a rush. We've got actual uh, television stars out here yeah. waiting on you. I don't know what that is. I decided to make my own gift card. Here, talking to that. I've made I've made you some gift cards, oh. but you can't take them away. There, it's a five dollar gift card for Carpenter's Documentary Rally. I it, and it gets you exactly <laughs> twenty cents of what legal it, services. This, I, I think I thought you would walk in and say, "Oh, sorry, I'm late." What? No, you said two forty five. Two forty five. That's what you told me. Two forty-five. All right. Well, then it's just a mistake. Then it's just a mistake. It's two thirty, but it's fine. We're happy you're here, Zuckerman. We're happy okay. you're here. But I, okay, I have bought you. Listen, this is a four-dollar Carpenter's Zuckerman Rally store card. This is five. Five dollars gets you twenty seconds of legal advice. And you're giving uh, away I'm, these gift cards on the show? To no, the I'm not. I'm giving. It, I'm showing you my latest thing because I get these stupid defense attorneys or defense of justice <laughs> tell me what is your legal theory. Like we don't believe that we're, we need to pay. What is your legal theory? And and so now. I'm I'm going to send him a card to redeem one of these cardboard cards that I've written on with it's, Sharpie. Yeah, it and it's going to take me 20 seconds to say, fuck you, pay me. What are you it, fucking stupid? It's Come an on. Amazon. This doing? is uh, just a cutout piece of Amazon box yes. with some <laughs> Sharpie on it. Yes. <laughs> Store doesn't even have the proper E on it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can take pictures and post it. I mean, as far as I'm concerned. Because what that's would you what... say? What percentage of lawyers are morons? Oh, fully 92%, what is your, not 93%. What do you call, uh, what, what was that joke you what made? What do you call a Okay. I like this. What, I like what do you this. call a lawyer with a 50 IQ? Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's judges, right? That's judges, That's yes, how all these judge appointees get through. These well, guys. you can't do what I do, you become a judge. Really? I, I always okay. thought it was the best of the best. Become you would the, think. 
you would think. But listen, nobody puts their hand up in law school and says, I, I want to be a judge or I want to be a shitty defense lawyer. I want to be a shitty lawyer of this. I want to I want to do you know, workers comp or, you know, some sort of immigration paperwork. Everybody has a dream. They're going to be the head legal counsel to Shell, to Disney, to uh, they're going to be a, a brilliant trial lawyer. Right. And, and the roller coaster of life takes them down to the proper level. <laughs> All right. And well, then, speaking of roller coasters, uh, just dropped off a moment ago. Um, thanks to us chatting about it here on the podcast, I have the Aston Martin DBS Superleggera, which I believe you've already driven. Yes, you, you drove it for a little bit. Right? Yes. What you know, I haven't really had a chance to. I don't want to say anything about it. I drove over here, but I was doing a million things. What were your impressions of the car so far? And how? How? First of all, how long did you drive it? For? I did not drive it very long, so I want everyone to know I had three minutes of wheel time be- mm-hmm. behind this thing. Those three minutes were absolutely fantastic, but but not enough to form any opinion other than it looks cool as fuck. It's <laughs> fast as fuck. Um, it's it's got a great sound. It's like everything you ever wanted when you were like a, a, a ninth grader drawing or nine or a nine years old drawing what a car should be. Flames coming out the back end. Three hundred and seven thousand uh, dollars, eight hundred and twenty, is what the sticker is on this car. Um, let's see. This is, I'm looking at the specs. They don't have any of the specs on car and driver. It just says not available, not available, not available. Well, what do you mean not available? This must be old. But it's a. Uh, this is one of those big dog kind of eight twelve competitors, right? Zero to sixty three point two seconds. Please stop that noise or whatever is <laughs> going on there. You see, you see, folks. He's texting. He's texting right now. Okay. He's, make, he's making noise. I have a fucking job. Well, you've got to turn the job off okay. by the time you're here. Don't come. You have to do one or okay. the other because we have, we co- have, we're doing a job for okay. these folks listening. Okay, you're right. These people love you, Zuckerman. They want your they full do. attention. They do. They're huge fans of yours. They don't want to feel like neglected children. They're your, you have this whole segment of Spikes Car Radio fans, the demented ones, who, uh, who are very vigorously supporting you and love you. They want they want to know what you're thinking. They don't want you texting and making money. You know what money. I'm thinking? Anyway, we should be thinking about this car. Yes. 5.2 liter V12, 715 horsepower, right? So that competes with what? The A12, the Ferrari, this is what that is? Yeah, or or in theory, it's got certain numbers like a GT2 mm-hmm. RS in right. terms of horsepower. Clearly not a GT2 RS, but... This is like this, a Super a, GT, right? right? This is a car... You know, and it's weird. Superleggera means super light in Italian, right? right? I don't, super I don't, fast. No, and, super fast, super light. Yes, this has more carbon fiber. It's not a light car, guys. Right. I didn't think so. It's about yeah. 4,000 pounds is what it feels like. But these cars have a way of um, making you feel like a gentleman, Zuckerman. When you get – the second you get in, it just – it changes your driving a little bit, right? Y- yes. Don't you want to put on a hat and overcoat and go to Italy and <laughs> – Bop around, or I guess I don't really think of England in this car. I think of Italy. I th- well, I think of an, a, a fine black bespoke Italian suit, and right. with a what? Yeah. What you're, we're being held to sign? What? Yeah, they just they, they, they have, have to be out of three, so we better get them in here. Okay, they have to be out of three. All right, well, let's bring them in. We'll uh, we'll finish our Aston Martin conversation in two minutes. We'll be right back with our guys. Let's talk about Valvoline for a minute. 
You know we love Valvoline. They not only make motor oil, they have great T-shirts and stickers. If you've seen the stickers, uh, maybe on a bus stop, maybe on the public library window glass. That's me and Zuckerman. We put them everywhere. We love these guys. Uh, Valvoline is the only motor oil brand with a dedicated engine lab. I believe that engine lab is in Ashland, Kentucky. Hello, folks in Ashland, Kentucky. Uh, Their dedication to testing and innovation is why do-it-yourselfers can trust Valvoline to take care of their engines every day. You know... We trust Valvoline with our cars. You should trust it, too. They are the first brand to develop a motor oil specifically to combat carbon buildup in a modern engine. How about that? We love Valvoline. We don't have to tell you guys that. We trust Valvoline in our car. People have been trusting Valvoline in their cars for more than 150 years. So think about that. Was there even a car 150 years ago? Who cares? Valvoline was there. Uh, head over to Valvoline.com forward slash spike to see what product is right for you. They want you to go to Valvoline.com forward slash spike. That helps me out, too, if you use this link to see what product is right for your engine. Go check them out and ask for some of those cool stickers. Valvoline. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Here we are. We're uh, sitting down with William Fickner. You guys coming in? Come on in, fellas. William Fickner is walking in the studio. Kim Coates is walking in the studio. Zuckerman's opening the door for them. There they are. Legitimate stars of television, stage, and screen. Bad guys, but good guys deep down. Please don't talk that much about Kim Coates (laughs) because we have other things to talk about. Kim, you got to just aim that mic at you. You don't need the headphones. I don't need the headphones. No, we're not on real radio here. We're just recording. How are you guys? How are you? How's it going? All right. These guys have a new movie called Cold Brook that's going to be in theaters and on demand and digital. So it's a wide release November 8th. Um, And William. Uh, directed it, co-wrote it, and stars in the film. Congratulations, fellas, and nice to meet you. Thanks, he wore he wore a lot of hats. <laughs> we all wore a lot of hats. Yeah, I even we had still wear a lot of hats. <laughs> William, you and I met when we were uh, at Fox together. I had a late night show, and I think you were doing Prison Break. Yeah, and we were both sent to a NASCAR event to say that uh, gentlemen, start your uh, your engines, right? Well, yeah, for that two was different out races. Irwindale Speedway, <laughs> correct? It was at Irwindale. Yeah. It was. And you, you ago. went first, and you did such a great job. And I, you know, I, I at the time I had not been in front of the camera a lot, and I was very nervous. Very and I shy. watched you very, very closely, and he did so well. And then I went out and I did it like you. And when they showed me the video, my zipper was down, and my nice. underwear was hanging out of my pants. <laughs> nothing's changed. Listen, I'm, nothing's I, changed. If I would have saw it, I would have told you. <laughs> but anyways. Um, Thanks for coming in, guys. This is exciting. I want to talk – this is a car show, so I want to just talk – we don't drill down too deeply, but I know you're into cars. You've always been into cars. I know you aren't Sons of Anarchy, so maybe there's some motorcycle love there. Both of us spent some time at the Pro Celebrity Race down in Long Beach. We both did that. You did? Yeah. The Toyota Race. Yeah. Yeah, The Toyota Race. You You won, right? I did. I uh, you that. qualified number one one year. I did, and I got in a wreck, which was too bad. But I got got to do it twice. Bill, you did it three times or four. I did it 14 times, Kim. You no. did it 14 <laughs> times, and you got through them all. Les Unger, our pal at Toyota. Those were fun days, man. Oh, those that track, You know that track? I Toyota? do know the track. What? First of all, what cars were you in? At the time, I See, think they were Scions. supercharged little Scions. Right. Or, 
Little and, and who are you racing, feet. like Jason Bateman and guys like that? Do you recall I mean, anybody? I, I recall some of the folks, but it was an eclectic mix. Right. You know, it was always, a, you know, a couple of musicians, a few mm-hmm. actors, some sports T- Tito, folks. the big UFC fighter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah that was, I remember when car. you jumped on no, his no. back, and I was <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a good idea. I literally jumped race. on his back. I said, I didn't care. And he sort of threw me around like a giant. It was good. It was good fun. I love it. Um, what did they take you out to the racetrack to train for this thing, or did we'll they just throw you in the well, side? We have to. We yeah, would. yeah. In order to do it, I mean, I, I know because of being involved with it a, a few times, and the people that run it, that that every year they would get somebody that that they would ask, and they would say, "Absolutely, I can't." It sounds amazing. <laughs> and then they find out you have to go to Willow Springs at yeah. least right. one four day weekend or a Saturday Sunday back to back because if you don't do that, you can't do the race. And what are they teaching you there that you didn't already know? Everything. Danny McGeevers, McGeevers, McGeevers race car school up Uh there. And you take the little, you know, Scions and you race the streets of Willow. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. And had you never been on a racetrack before? Did you know how to race? Not not quite like that, but we're both, you know, car fans and muscle car fans. <laughs> Kim has a very good, good tone about your car. I have a, I have a 1970 45,000 original mile vitamin C four-speed road Oh, runner. yeah. Uh-huh. It's beautiful. Wow. And you beep, have beep. A, beautiful. It's a beautiful no, car. I wish. I've got a, a 1966 Chevelle, Cabernet Red, Cragger Mags, stereo to blow your ears off. <laughs> So the two East of, Coast boys, yeah. The, the, yeah. the two of us with our muscle cars side by each, it's kind of pretty cool. Well, see, there we're all East Coast boys too. Right. This is the type of car we grew up with. Yet we left this group, Zuckerman. <laughs> but what I always happened? are you guys both. You're not Buffalo, upstate New York. I'm Buffalo, upstate. This I brought this because Cole Brook filmed it in Buffalo and, and Cortland, my okay. second favorite NFL team. Cortland. So I'm wearing this for good luck. No, I'm from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, no, right above go. North Dakota. Oh, there you wow. go. Wow, you're from wow. Yeah, is there cold. anything there? Yeah, a lot of flat, beautiful skies. <laughs> antelope. <laughs> and and I find the country boring during the daytime, terrifying at night. I don't. Really? Yeah, I don't do country. I you, like I like the city. I like to be hemmed in. Where were I, you born? Uh, Long Island, Huntington area. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, Farmingdale what kind of cars graduate. were you guys driving growing up? I mean, what did you have growing 67 up? Sixty-seven Galaxy Five Hundred. Yes. yes. All right. Four Sixty-nine, 69 Roadrunner. For about two weeks, and Did I you came... have one before this one. Yes, that's why I <laughs> got you this one. Again. Mopar boy. No, I I got a I bought a Roadrunner because my uncle Mike, my my mother's younger brother, said a buddy of his, Jimmy Newbauer. I still remember <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Newbauer had a '69 four-speed yeah. Roadrunner. He's selling it. My uncle Mike said, "Buy this car." Yeah, I bought the car for seven hundred and fifty dollars. Yes. so it's nineteen seventy-four. Had the fall spring yeah uh, spring of seventy-four. Bought the car, four-speed, had no idea how to drive a four-speed. Awesome. And uh, just burned a lot of rubber because that's I knew if I just <laughs> gave it enough gas and threw that clutch out, it's going to get it burned some rubber. Wow. And after two weeks, I came home one day, and my parents were standing on a driveway, and they were, they were talking to somebody. I'm like, I wonder who that guy is. And I got out of the car, and my mother said, that's the new owner of your car. <laughs> oh, no <laughs> shit. Yeah. I said, wow, what are you doing? She said, no, no, I'm not going to get you another call for 12 days in a row of you burning rubber around our hometown. Not going to happen. Not going to wow, happen. You're that's a great boy. story. Yeah. Look and she at goes, that. and we, we sold it for $1,100. So I was oh, like, made a little money. And then, true story, you got to hear the end of this. So my father says to me, listen, <laughs> you're going to college. Have I got the car for you? Mm-hmm. I remember this quote. He said, this is the America's answer to the Rolls Royce. I'm listening to him going, <laughs> what this is fuck? all part of the same conversation with the guy buying my car. The Ford Granada? He goes, I, I got the car. It's a Plymouth Valiant. <laughs> oh, God. He goes, this car will last forever. I'm thinking, 
I know what that is. <laughs> no, no, that can't happen. Seafoam green. He's, he's driving a 66 Mustang, you know, the olive green right, with the right, black right. vinyl top. I said, Dad, if you like it so much, you why? have it. I went to college four months later with that Mustang. <laughs> I did, too. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would have said wrong answer. Right I you got do. that 66 Chevy, too, with the L79. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, four-speed. That's it. There you go. That thing will fly. Yeah. It's on pizza cutters, though. Those little tires, they're so teeny. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I have it stock. I, I just kept it stock, but it's fantastic. Black, black. Oh, I love those. Beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Does it get the square tail light in it? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, love that. Uh, exquisite. What about motorcycles, Kim? Obviously. I've got somewhere between two and four in my in my garage. Oh, I like how you is that is that you pre Sons of Anarchy or All middle post. or post? No, I I've been riding my whole life. And true story, I was the youngest Macbeth ever at Stratford. I was twenty six, and it was April. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and before and we we're rehearsing Macbeth, and it's time to get the bike out of the <laughs> garage, and I'm taking it to get tuned up. A little old lady cut in front of me, so I wiped the bike out, and we I wasn't hurt, luckily. And and my wife, when I got home that night, she goes, "You you gotta you gotta promise me not to buy another bike. You're you're <laughs> acting now. You're actually in a big part." Yeah. And I looked at her and went, "Oh, okay. I promise I won't buy." So <laughs> I rode. I didn't buy another one. And then of course, sons comes along and they gave me three Harleys. So I still didn't break yeah. my promise. I have three of them. Yeah. Wow. And you them. ride them a lot. Do you when did you find the uh, motorcycle community, especially the outlaw motorcycle community, embraced you after that show? Or you know, I I never I I. Kept, I was pretty separate. We all were. I mean, we we certainly with that show, with the with the success of that show, right. We would run into everybody from the military to lawyers to college kids. People who got into Suns couldn't stop watching it, including the one percenters. Right. But the one percenters are their own deal, man. I'm I'm an actor. I'm playing one. So I right, think right. Uh, the part that I played, I think they were kind of cool to me because I played Tig Traeger, the sergeant at arms, and. Zuckerman has an impressive collection of uh, Hell's Angels memorabilia. Well, it works with a guy who's got one of the big, I, I would guess, if not the biggest and the only collection of Hell's Angels and the rest, yeah. the Galloping Goose, and who, who are some of the okay, other gangs so, you collect? So I, I work with a guy who uh, he has an Instagram called Outlaw Archive, Yeah, and, the, and you probably have seen it, and he documents the early outlaw movement, which were... Straight Satan, Satan slaves, Hell's Angels, uh, coffin cheaters, galloping the whole deal. Goose, the, the, whole, yeah. the whole deal. What year are we talking 50s, about? We're talking fifties, fifties to sixties. Yeah. So mid fifties. Actually, the archive now goes back to fifty one. Yeah. The founding, uh, the founding of of uh, Bordeaux, and it, probably up to seventy. Uh, it gets less interesting after seventy. The characters who were involved in the early days are much more yeah. unique. Barger was a, is a character. He's a character, and then but before him, like, he, he got his charter from a guy sure. who had the SoCal chapter from sure. who started in say '57, and that guy's widow came. Uh, he died in '62. He was killed. That guy's widow gave us everything she had maintained for 57 years to preserve it in an archive for study later on. And it's for me, and, and particularly I think for guys of our era, I, these guys were kind of mythic figures. They were old. You know, I, I was I, I was born in the in the early '60s, so I missed most of this. But I was reading Hunter Thompson's book and sure. getting into this. Mm. And these guys were legendary. Um, show them what you brought today. Well, I did. I bought, you brought I, this to show you. Guys. I bought it. This is a. I don't know if you ever heard of Andy's Underground Zippo. It's a lighter, and it's a Zippo. lighter. But Andy, at one time, was a jeweler to a lot of the clubs, and and this lighter, which took four hundred hours to make, it was acid etched and hand enameled. Jesus. It also contained a secret 
pot pipe in it. Oh, so <laughs> and then and then check this out. No, hysterical. It's got a roach clip in there, and a, and it usually came the roach clip came on a chain, and in here oh would be a coke God, spoon. Beautiful. Four hundred hours, and nobody knew the guy. He died in the early nineties, and it's just uh, <laughs> I don't think it smells like weed. It does. I wanted to see. <laughs> yeah. it. he's picking up and smelling see, it right now. We would have put that in the movie if I would have known it. That's, well, that's, you gotta. You'll we'll make a sequel. The cactus, the Andy, Andy would. Andy wow. was a very unique guy, and, and we've tracked down as much as we can about this very brilliant artist who awesome. who was not known about. And uh, he would look at in the early seventies at picture books, places he wished he'd go. But he was a fuck up; he couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, I could like in my days, you know, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, like you know, I'm when you can't leave that. the bathroom, you're just stuck in the bathroom for days on end. You know, you're not leaving. And um, you know, he had that problem, so he'd look at these you know picture travel books and then do these scenes. But cool. we've we've beautiful. tracked out about eight of them. But That's if you guys stuff. ever want to go to the facility um, and see this, probably. I don't know, 30,000 photos, letters, items of clothing. Crazy Crazy shit, man. Let's just bring back Sons of Anarchy. Let's just do that. I know. You know. Season season eight. I got to write it. I got this job, man. I got this other job, you know, that I got to. Not you. Anyway, let's talk about the movie. We're here to talk about the movie Cold Book, which is going to be in theaters November 8th. First of all, I love the way you guys are rolling this out. That I can not only go to a theater, but it's on demand. It's digital, right? Yeah. Is that uh, is that what's going to happen with all movies now? Why did you make that choice? I, well, you know what? Not really my choice, but that was uh, you know very very fortunate to have a company come along um, and uh, want to distribute the film, and this was their plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be, this being the first time of ever uh, producing, directing, co-writing, and and playing a part in it, and starring Kim in produced it, it and, um, and played wow. co-lead in it with me, but. Um, uh, I like to say that we both earned like PhDs in the last couple of years of what it took to pull this whole thing off. But you, you know what surprised me about it when I heard both of you were in it because I've seen you in a million things from you know the, your great scene as the bank manager in The Dark Knight, one of my favorite scenes in sure, movies. It's sure. such a beautiful scene with the Joker. Is that this has comedy in it? You're funny in it. Both you guys are funny. It's not just a drama, but there's some really funny, touching moments, and that's what I found. Uh, it was unexpected for me because it plays counter to who you guys are, or at least who I've seen you well, portrayed on funny? screen. Thanks, but isn't it funny you and I talk about this, right? People go, <laughs> "Wait a minute, thick their coats." Oh yeah, blue eyes, cheekbones. They're, they're yeah, they, they, they kill play, people. They kill people. Yeah, and we go, well, we, and we like we to can see you. When yeah, the, when the parts right, <laughs> right. But I've done so much comedy. Billy's done so much comedy. Yep. I would think about a third of the films that, I, I bet. that I've played out of uh, like 50 films have been yeah. probably like bad heavy guys. Right. A third of them total straight up comedies. A third of them dramas in between, somewhere in between. And and yet, you know, I, I work on a show right now, Mom, for the last right. four years. Oh, yeah, Eddie Gordetsky's show. Yeah. yeah it's a great show. Yeah, we're going to show Mom. Is there anything that's like killer-esque about mom outside of it being really funny. <laughs> I, no, I think it's just I'm that... Danny wanted to I'm not going to... every episode. I'm not stabbing anybody on no, mom. I'm telling no. you right now. It's no. just like it, you, you've been in entertainment for a while. You know, there are things that pop and there are yeah, things sure. that don't and you can't really control it, right? It's an uncontrollable thing, this business. What, what, and I what, find as a writer, like, I'll write 30 things and then who knows which one of those things is going to go. Absolutely. But that tends to be the thing that defines you. Isn't it great, though, when you get to be like Billy and myself at a at a at a place in our careers 
where we find the producers to put up the money to go. He co-writes it with, with, with Kane DeVore, uh, mm-hmm. one of our other best pals. We meet in Black Hawk Down in 2001. It's going to be for us. We have producers out there who want to put And now, now we, it's coming to the, to, to the movie theaters in a couple of weeks. I think that that is marvelous, that we can do now what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And I... I, I I say no to certain bad guys that don't interest me, and yes to certain that they're always complicated and fun to play. It's about the work. It's about the part, no matter what it is, and the director who's directing it. And we got quite the cast in this too. Well, it comes across when you watch it that you guys are buddies. Good. That this is a personal project of yours, and and it's that's what makes it interesting right from the get go. You know, I could you know that's what kept so me watching it. Right, it just had a it just had a nice vibe. We're out in the woods. It's guys shooting each other. I don't know how much you want me to say about the movie or not say no, about it. You know, it's too. Why don't, we, why don't you say tell everybody what it's about or what you can Cold reveal Brook about it? Is a story about two lifelong friends that live in a. Small town, work in a small town, a small college town, and just a couple of ordinary guys that have an extraordinary experience and Mm -hmm. ultimately are faced with the decision of how far do you go to help a stranger. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes to town that's a bit of a mystical character, and uh, as soon as they figure out who he is, they figure out what he needs, and then the dilemma is there for them. You know, at the risk to themselves and their own jobs and families and everything, how far do they go to help this guy? Find home. Mm-hmm. Wow. And uh, it's really what the whole story is about. Very cool. Yeah, it evolved from that. And, and, and a real desire, not just to tell a story for me and Kane to write a story for us to do about friendship, but what about that friendship? And how does that friendship get tested? And do you believe in each other enough and trust each other on the journey to see it through and actually help somebody find a place where they need to go? I just – I love the world you were in. I loved when you right. in the woods at the top of the movie. There's that moment when you're in the window, the, the diner, and your wife is inside. And I was just like, God, I, small town life is mm. so nice. And I, you forget about it here, <laughs> Zuckerman. You know, you and I, I grew up in a small yeah. town, in a blue-collar town. Yes. I just – in watching this film, it really made me we miss it. It really other. made me miss that whole thing. Not, well, we not getting in... shot in the neck by a paintball, by the way. You know, I sh- we shot most of – we shot the entire film in 20 shooting days. Wow. And, um, That's but incredible. But four of them, we needed to go back to Cortland, New York, between Binghamton and Syracuse. Right. Not a big town, college town. But in 1974, when I met my college girlfriend at SUNY Farmingdale, <laughs> I went to visit her family. And her family had a farm. And that the cabin that's in the film, I've been hanging out in that cabin since the mid-'70s. So 30 years later, when uh, Kane and I started to write this, you know, it all fell into place that it would be this small town and we would write about this cabin and it would be specifically, wow. you know, and after seeing the film, you know, that the, the way the land is contoured and that has is part of the story. Mm-hmm. So everything was based around. Well, listen, even though we're a small budget film, we need to make a company move. We got to go from Buffalo to Cortland and we have to do that no matter what it costs us, because what we're going to get there is what it was all about. So why try to cheat it and fake it somewhere else? When it's just sitting right there on the top of the ridge. So, so is there think. is there a number that it, you can get a movie like this made? Like where you know I, I don't know where we're at in the movie business. It seems like we're only making a hundred million dollar plus. plus movies, right? When you're making something small like this and smart and probably aimed at award season, if I'm not mistaken, what's the what are what are the budgets where you have to bring the film in? Uh, you know that changes all the time. I mean, we knew this guy in Dallas. Uh, uh, 
this guy named Bobby, and Bobby made a Bobby shot a film. <laughs> His Bobby last shot, name shall remain nameless. Yeah. Bobby, we, we, we can't call him out. Bobby. Bobby shot a film that was in the Toronto Film Festival two years ago. He shot it on his iPhone. Come so on. So he did it for nothing. I think it was just so miraculous that he shot a film in like 48 hours on his iPhone. Did he edit it yeah. on his iPhone as no, well? I, I don't know what he did with it. <laughs> but I remember that coming storage. out and I was like, okay, right. does it work? There's hope for everyone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> look at the new iPhone. We were talking about Listen, You could shoot on this. You can't. I can't edit and store the footage on it, but you could shoot on it for sure. Thank you so much. In this, in this day and age, you know, not that I didn't know this before, but certainly know it now, to make an indie film now and to ever see the light of day, to see a theater, to get a release, is, mm-hmm. I, I, think you're in, I think you're in less than 2%. Right. Dancing between the raindrops. Yeah, I mean, you're just, you know, you're putting it out there. But what I was always led with, and we always talked about from the beginning is, listen, why don't we be as good as we can be in... in See what happens after that. Because if you're not good, you're not gonna. We're not gonna make it on a gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a small film, an intimate little movie. It better work, or nobody's gonna watch it. Right, right. So that was always that was always the goal, and that's what we stuck and, with and from all the, the beginning. Fe- and all the festivals we've been to, been to four. We've won prestigious awards at all of them. Uh, not that you do these for awards, but why not get them if we're gonna get them? Mm-hmm. And sold out. And every single person, whether they're in their 80s or they're 12 because this film can be watched by all that. I mean, this, this is the kind of movie that this country needs to see right now, mm. right right, right now, can, ev- everywhere. And, and this is the kind of story mm-hmm. that needs to be watched right now about doing the right thing and about loving your neighbor. And there's some really crazy stuff that happens in this movie as well. But it's not a $120 million film, but it still looks really good. Yeah, and the it does. Is amazing, and it's yeah. real, right? Don't <clears throat> find it's just and, so- and who, as far as cast, did you just reach out to people you knew? Or did you cast a wide net? Because I get the sense there were a lot of your buddies and friends in there. Every- there listen, my wife's in there. About three months before we started shooting, my wife looked at me and said, I'm in the movie, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course you are. <laughs> who is, what about the guy who checks the map out and goes, where did you get this? Okay, uh, no. Uh, is, is that a friend of yours? All right, his name is Louis Mastille. He's great. He was oh, on yeah. Mike and Molly for like Oh, right, years. okay. <laughs> Sopranos is a great character actor. And also, I'm, the reason I'm mentioning her, too, in the beginning of the film, there's the woman who's the teacher, mm-hmm. uh, Charlena Moya. Yes. She's, they're both from Buffalo. Wow. So when we're putting it together, Louis. and I had to hire a lot of people from Buffalo, and we don't have a lot of money, I called up Louis, I called up Charlene, and I said, Listen, I've known Louie for 30-some years. I hadn't met Charlene, but met her through a friend. I called him up and said, is there any chance you're visiting your family this summer <laughs> between this date? And can you be here on, like, July 27th? And they both worked it out to come home and visit Fantastic. family yeah. so they could be there for us and, and shoot on that day. A wow. mission accomplished with camaraderie is yeah. the basis. Yeah. Brothers doing yeah. something together, yeah. and I think the best things come out of that. That's yeah. really well, cool. Sure. Fellas, your publicist is out there. She's shaking her fist at us right now going, I got to get these. Get these She's out. checking her these Instagram right now, but I, they did hold a sign up. I got to get you out of there. The movie is called Cold Brook. Watch it's it. going to be in theaters, on demand, digital, November 8th, right around the corner. William Fickner, Kim Coates. Come Pleasure, back, lads. Come back so when you have more time. You, Thank you, gentlemen. We'll Thanks take a deeper dive. Much and and one, one last question. Do you think the Buffalo Bills have any chance? Just they kidding. They do. They do. Yes, they do. All right. We'll see you next. Uh, we'll see you uh, in a little bit. Zuckerman and I will be right back. Bye. All right. Do you guys need a watch? It's getting to be the holidays. I don't have to remind you. You need to go to my favorite watch website, Crown and Caliber. 
Maybe you want to sell a watch and buy another watch. Maybe you want to sell three watches and buy nothing. Crown & Caliber is going to help you. I use them all the time. They have huge brands. Rolex, Breitling, Omega, Tag Heuer, Patek Philippe. Huge selection of watches, 3,000 plus watches from 40 of the top luxury brands. It's risk-free, free shipping, free returns, one-year warranty. They've been helping people for a, for a very long. Check their Google rating. Check their Google rating. 4.8 out of 5. That's only a, a point two of disgruntled people. The rest, overwhelmingly happy. Count me in that column for happy folks. They have an in-house team of Swiss-certified watchmakers as well as technicians and refinishers. In case your watch isn't where you want it to be before you sell it, they'll get it the last mile. They've been featured in Esquire, Men's Journal, Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, and, of course, Spikes Car Radio. And right now, they're giving away an Omega Speedmaster watch. How about that? Maybe you're not even buying, you're not selling. Maybe you just want a free watch. Well, go to my custom URL, crownandcaliber.com forward slash spike. That's crownandcaliber.com forward slash spike. It ends on November 17th, 2019. So this is the last chance I think you have. And if you're just in the mood to buy a watch, use the promo code that I've got for you guys, Radio 150, for 150 off any purchase of $2,000 or more. There you go. Radio 150, my friends at Crown and Caliber. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. All right. Well, that was fun, Zuckerman. Those guys were absolutely fantastic. They were in and they were out. But they also listened. And see, that's why we want you here. You got to talk about Outlaw Archive. And I I could tell they were very impressed. Okay. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Those guys are great guys. Those are the guys I I would have looked up to in high school. A good look, sure? a good voice. Right now, they were like they would be like the cool guys, mm-hmm. right? They would have been the cool guys. Uh, oh they were God. like three or four years older. Hold on, Jack Ferriston is calling right here. Okay, let's. Jack, do you mind if we use your voice on the air? What? Do you mind if we use your voice on the air? We're recording right now. Oh, oh, hi. <laughs> hey, Jack, it's Zuckerman. <laughs> what are you calling for? What can I help you with? Um, Mom didn't answer, so oh. <laughs> you can just tell her to pick me up from school. Oh, I I thought someone else was taking you, picking you up at school. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who who is that? Uh, Jack. Okay. Okay. You want to go with him, and then call me if you get into trouble. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> wow, Zuckerman. Is he still doing that cartoon that he was selling in school? Dr. Dumb? Yes. Uh, we yeah. explain Dr. Dumb. It's Dr. Dumb. He, I've been trying to get him to write the Zuckerman episode. Dr. Dumb is a moronic doctor who kills his patients. So when he gets himself into trouble, and then he ends up just killing the patient to make life easier. And this is fantastic. Your son started this at what age? What age? How I don't remember, that? but he, he sells he the now? comic books. He, now he's 11. All right, he must have started at 8. Yeah, and he's been, he sells the comic and books it's really every funny, once in a while. And it's really dark and hilarious. <laughs> but I, love I it. And, in, you know, it's disappointing because, you know, in my business, Zuckerman, I'm pitching all the time. And I face about 95% failure, right? 5% right. of stuff I pitch gets sold. Well, I pitched Jack the, the, the Zuckerman episode of Dr. Dumb. I said, look, it's perfect. Dr. Dumb gets into trouble. Zuck, Zuckerman steps in and sues. And then you kill Zuckerman. Right. And he didn't, he didn't, even, he didn't even smile. He said, oh, well. All right, I'll think about it. And he never made my episode. I can't believe your own kid. Yeah, some sort of power play. And I was giving that to him. I thought it was good. I'm going to do my own doctor. Remember when you tried to give your dad some advice about comedy? 
Yeah, that did not go well. <laughs> but I think it relieved you of talking to him for a year, right? Yes. <clears throat> it made Christmas very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know things back then, Zuckerman. Well, okay, I like that story. I wish you'd tell it. Do you feel like telling it? <laughs> There's not much to tell. Yes, you're successful. You're working on what, Saturday Night Live? No. I was a writer for David Letterman. That's uh, right. You listening, who doesn't like me to say that, and enjoying my first professional writing success. And my dad decided he would try to get some himself, and he public access <laughs> joined. He said, "I'm going to start my own public access television show." Right. So immediately, I wrote that down in my David Letterman idea book. At some point, I'm going to have to bring this into the show <laughs> because this is really top of the list on embarrassing dad shit. Right. He's going to start broadcasting his sketches <clears throat> and then I forgot about it and then uh, a, a month or two later uh, with uh, I can't remember who he was doing it with but I think it was the Dunkin Donuts guy <laughs> but no Myron. not too different than us Zuckerman <laughs> right. it's just you and me you're the lawyer guy but anyway they send me a tape of their sketches in their show, and he said, uh, I would love you to watch this. This uh, three-quarter inch came in, VHS tape comes in. Will you uh, watch this and give me some notes? And I thought, all right. You know, now here's, that's my mistake, right? I had not learned yet that people don't want real notes, right? Yes. I, I give my fellow writers real notes at the time. We're all helping each other. So I gave him a real set of notes. The first sketch he did was a Godfather sketch. Where he was <laughs> dressed like uh, Marlon Brando. I don't remember doing what. You know, we just watched this, by the way. I showed the kids were curious about their fa a grandfather who's dead now. But I said, yeah, here, watch this tape. And uh, it didn't go over with them well with them either. But anyway, <laughs> I said, you know, Dad, uh, I like the character and, there is, you know, the writing's okay. But maybe talk about stuff that's going on now. Not movies from decades ago. <laughs> and then he screamed at me and hung the phone up. And that was the end of it. That was, I, I was a jerk. I was an asshole because I didn't tell him how great it was. That's yeah, so all uh, Fats wanted was approval from his son. Uh, yeah, no, there's no way to win that one. Even if I had said everything right, it still would have gone wrong. It just doesn't work. Because then it's like, well, can you show it to Dave? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to have to say, no, I can't. And he, and you know the story. I did bring him on Letterman for it was... staff Mother's Day stories, and he was the one dad, and he sat in the corner and smoked. And then Dave said, do you think your dad would be willing to shave sour cream off his face with a butter knife? And my dad stormed off the set. <laughs> Why are they? making fun of me so that's that's what i was dealing with right yeah <laughs> it doesn't work oh that's a good story ferriston yeah now he's a hummingbird now yeah no what does this have to do with spikes car radio i right don't know now? we're just having a chat like after hanging out with those guys and my mom you should you have to follow that up by saying my mother believes he's been reincarnated as a hummingbird <laughs> And he and he was overweight and smoked and gambled. So he would have been... He would gambling have been, addiction. Yes. He had a gambling, gambling addiction. So he would have been more rodent-like right. if he's reincarnated. Like a skink, right? Like a skink. Yes. Yeah. But she, when she comes and visits us, we have hummingbirds. And she, you know, so we, I was playing ball with the boys not too long ago out in the front yard, throwing the ball before it get, gets dark. And this hummingbird comes and lands on a, on a little branch right near my head and watching us. So I, you know, of course it's just a hummingbird. But I took the picture. I did the right thing. I sent it to mom. I go, look, dad's here. <laughs> she yeah. goes, I know you don't believe that. But this made me so happy to know that he's watching over you and while you're playing ball. Uh, and the kids are like, what? Grandpa's a hummingbird? What? 
you know, the nine-year-old is just trying to wrap his head around. He's like, so I, so I die and I turn into an, a, a bird or an animal? <laughs> he's still not, he's still in half-make-believe land. And that's where I always, as his mom, by I the always way. joke that when I get reincarnated, if, that's, if you get reincarnated, honestly, I will be some sort of a raccoon with mange, trying <laughs> half-caught in a garbage pail. Yes. Uh, something hard with some horrible outcome. No, you're the, you're the skink. A horrible uh, skink, low to the ground and vile. What is the life cycle of a skink? Not good. Not good. Nothing good. He's he's cold-blooded. He's got arms. He's a snake with arms. He's not a fish nor fowl, and everybody is revolted by him. But before we go, I've been, uh, you know, harassing Gavin Newsom to to investigate the the gas refineries, and he he finally said he's going to do this. For you or just in general? Just in general. I'm sure I had nothing to do with it, but <laughs> I harassed him on Twitter going, why? I don't understand why gas is $3 one day and five fifty the next, right? And then you, you talk to the, the goofball gas station attendant, and depending on which one you get, you get the right-wing guy who's like, oh, it's the taxes. And I go, that doesn't explain the fluctuation. The refineries, the seasonal blends, the mysterious the fires, the decades and decades of just shenanigans, the fraud – He's finally going to start investigating this stuff right. and start prosecuting it. Good. Or at least he's I saying was, that. I was just in New Jersey. Right. South New Jersey. Yes. And gas is half the price it yes. is here. Why? They don't, New Jersey doesn't like to have clean And, and folks, every air? one of you who's saying no. taxes right now, fluctuations, the, the fluctuation with the tax that stays constant. Look, you see yes, what we we're talking go, about? There's a $2 the t- price difference band. They're always figuring out just how much they can soak us for. How much pain right. can we take? And when we're about to lose our shit when gas is four fifty, dollars They drop it somehow, down to two eighty, and then you, And then you think things are okay. And, and then, then they six. slowly bring it up again. You're like the you're like the frog in the boiling yeah, water. Yeah, and you do a quick little search, and you it's re- refinery fire. Just happened. Another shutdown just happened. Offline but, for cleaning. <clears throat> but I... I'm hearing this is a monopoly of oil companies playing price-fixing games with us and really mm. chiseling us, Suckerman. I should sue. Yes, Suckerman. Yes. Oh, this could be a good case. This is a good case, right? Yeah, absolutely. We're all getting hosed. Look, what I'm hearing, and I'm not going to say this is absolutely true, but what I'm hearing is this is just a few little companies getting together. Collusion. Going, hey, guys, why price don't you fixing. have a, a shutdown this weekend and we'll jam it up? Right? Yep. Well, this is a good case. I'm glad, sir. I mean, you got something out of this. The yes. other thing I want, and now I've started harassing Mr. Newsom, who I, who I like. Uh, I think he's doing a lot of good all of a sudden. Got to handle the homeless problem. But I uh, I want him to get a, give us real fines for texting and driving. I want to start. First fine is $2,000. I would get that instantly. Right? <clears throat> but it would stop you from killing someone, Zuckerman. Like right now, I think it's $25, and nobody writes you any tickets anyways. Right? But the number of people crashing in this city, I know it's good for your business. You can't even <clears throat> imagine what I see every day. Would you? How come you can't sue the phone companies? Why couldn't you go right after them? Yeah, because like, they don't have a duty. It's the same thing as, you know, they, they give you the phone. You want the phone. You're allowed to use the phone now, I suppose. Wouldn't we all scream if there was some cutoff you got in a car and it automatically invalidated your phone? I guess... Well, in an emergency, you'd have the reverse problem, right? right? So it's not really the phone companies, people not wanting to follow the rules. And that's <clears throat> just human nature. We don't think rules apply to us. Right, right. Well, look, they clearly don't to you and me. 
No, of course the not. The West Side and East Side sheriffs. Yes, of we Los are Angeles. the sheriffs of all all the all the roads. But I'm speaking about the other people, Zuckerman. The they people. need to follow the rules. They can't drive. That are incompetent. <laughs> that are stupid. I was railing. I was talking to my daughter on the phone on the way over, and I was saying, "What the fuck <clears> is it with people on small side streets? They can't, they they can't." drive in their own lane. They're not in one lane. They're not in the other lane. They're in both lanes. Right. And why is it that <laughs> you have to hog up all the fucking lanes because you need to have equal amount of room on either side of yes. your car? I can get down the street on my side of yeah. the road. I don't need to be on your side of the road. Well, I, was, I, can, I can do this. I'm encouraged by this, uh, this, this investigation because I want, I want the left lane slow driving taken care of. I want these cellular phone textures taken care of. I uh, want some enforcement. I don't mind the people who roll the stop signs, actually. They're okay. Okay. What about the bicycle motherfuckers that don't stop at stop signs? <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought about this this weekend. I was driving to Malibu by myself thinking about your hatred for bicycle pants. I honestly was. <laughs> I, I spent a good 10 minutes going, what, what is Zuckerman's hatred of these bicycle pants? They I, are horrible to look at. But listen, solution. And we should tell Moise this. Moise, our friend who started huh. Splendid Mills. I don't think... Most most of the bike riding is not racing, so th- these pants yes. are not needed, right? Yes, I'm not shaving my body so, while I wait. swim in a pool. Take the let's take the Lululemon method here. Yes. Why aren't we putting something over they the pant like that. a loose vinyl I thing agree. that makes them look like shorts? Because my objection is, I don't want to see some man ass and man genitals in the front. I understand. I, it's disgusting. But you see, to I'm, me. I'm getting I into agree. the solution. Yes, there is proper wear. They just think that they all want to be Lance fucking Armstrong. Boy, we're, we just solved the world's problems on this podcast, Zuckerman. It's the worst thing. And then when they get off the bike when yes. we're at Bills, they got those stupid cleats on or whatever they wear, which makes them walk pigeon-toed. Yeah. And, with their, and so it's balls forward. It enhances <laughs> with the, the, the fact that you have to look at their genitalia. There's, uh, I go to Alfred's Coffee every Saturday morning in Brentwood, drop the kid off at karate and go in there, and there's a guy who can ruin it for me, and it's a bike guy. Yeah. He can, he, because it's very crowded in that little place, and he can, he'll jostle up against you, and now I've got his sweaty Sweat pants on and, me. Yes. And I just throw balls. the coffee away and I go. Yeah, okay, just, just, he, anyway, to make matters worse, he's wearing a, an earring, a Harrison ugh. Ford earring. He's an old guy oh, with God. a Harrison Ford earring. Should just give up. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm going to tell the other bike people something. When you go to the coffee place and you sit down to have your coffee, yeah, take your fucking helmet off. <laughs> you don't need a fucking helmet when you're sitting here drinking coffee. I feel, and I'm I, I really. I feel. Res- I have to restrain myself not to walk up and say, "Oh, pretty dangerous sitting on that seat, huh?" You might just fall off onto your head. Do you know how head. badly I want one of those? But I understand what these guys like. I mean, these these the You'll lightness of yourself. this bike. I bet is so great and feels so good. But what's holding me back is a lack of pant that I can buy. All right, why don't we do this? I. I it, <laughs> You've seen the bikes, right? They're okay. like 20 grand. Why don't we and just you pick them up with one finger. Wearing our regular clothes and with bike helmets on our heads. <laughs> Tell everybody, be careful. I've got better no put problem your, with that. Put, better put your helmet on. It's the pants. It's really the pants. No, you look stupid if you're sitting in a chair drinking coffee with a helmet on. Yeah. You're not supposed to wear the helmet when you get off the thing. That's they, a basic do, rule. They don't do that. They I don't? see it all the time. I see guys well, wearing Which helmets. would you rather they stop, the pants or the hat? Everything. All of it. You yes. want no bikes on the road? I want to see them. And then I don't want to see those people that like doing that. I don't like them. I don't want to see them. They should be somewhere else. I, li- I like riding a bike. 
You don't ride one of those bikes. No, I like my Saunders electric right now. But yeah, I would, I'm telling you, I would do this in a minute if they if, could come up with better gear. If I ever saw your little toothpick body in, <laughs> in like a U.S. Postal Service bike pants outfit, I'd probably have to strangle you and then shoot myself. And run me over? Yeah, it would be a murder-suicide. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, it's been a very special Spikes Car Radio. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone to places that we've never gone to before. Murder, we've got suicide. a weird format today, and I hope you enjoyed it. We started with a rant about Zuckerman being late, and now we're just we're happy. We're fucking late. Now we're just happy he's here. And that's it, everybody. <laughs> Enjoy the show. We'll see you next week on Spikes Car Radio. Thanks for listening to Spikes Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. If you like my show, you're going to love the official Lakers podcast on Podcast One. Join host Mike Trudell and co-host Aaron Larsoul every Monday as they discuss the Lakers news of the day, break down the games from the week, and have exclusive interviews from players, coaches, and staff. So don't miss the official Lakers podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. 